I'm Sonia Dunn, and my show, Military Home Life Radio, starts right now. As I was walking a ribbon of highway, I saw above me and in the skyway, I saw below me a golden valley. Yeah, this land was made for me. I roamed and rambled and followed my footsteps to the sparkling sands of her diamond desert. And all around me, a voice was calling. Yeah, this land was made for me. Thank you for listening to Military Home Life Radio. I'm your host, Sonia Dunn. Military Home Life Radio is a program about U.S. military community living and support around the world. And what we do is we share information on programs and services that support military families, veterans, and retirees from a balance of local and national organizations. Plus, we have interviews focused on issues and stories from and for military service members, dependents, and retirees from all branches of the United States military. To learn more about Military Home Life Radio and the rest of our audio channels, go to militaryhomelife.com. That's militaryhomelife.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back with our first guest right after this. Our nation owes each day of security and freedom that we enjoy to the members of our armed forces and their families. Behind our brave servicemen and women, there are family members and loved ones who share in their sacrifice and provide unending support. Do you know that when you use the military health system's patient portals that you have access to your current health records from your military hospital or clinic? And all through a secure website. Manage medical appointments for yourself and your dependents, review test results, request prescription renewals, exchange secure messages with your healthcare team, monitor your health information and view your portal profile, and much more. For care received at military hospitals or clinics, Try the MHS patient portals today. For more information, go to tricare.mil slash patient portal. Military Home Life. Military Home Life Radio. Broadcasting from around the globe. Sharing information that supports military families, veterans, and retirees. Your Military Home Life Radio. Military Home Life. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. I'm your host, Sonia Dunn. We are here with our guest, Justin Melnick, who is on the show SEAL Team for CBS. Thank you for being on our show today. Thanks for having me. Now, for those who might not be familiar with the show, tell us about your character. Oh, I play Brockland Oldside, canine handler for the team. Um, we portray uh, a dev group team uh we got six operators on our team and uh for those of you unfamiliar with that term it's uh it's the official name of seal team six so we play a black ops seal team unit that kind of run around the world chasing bad guys trying to save people's lives <laughs> now before we dive into the show i want to talk a little bit more about you is that okay yeah sure so tell us about Justin. Where did Justin grow up? I grew up in the tiny little island of Manhattan in New York City. And it's like a, a giant mass of concrete and steel. <laughs> it is a giant concrete of mass and steel island. Island of steel is actually what it is. Um, born and raised there, how did you decide to do a career field of photography, especially combat photography? That was a long, uh, that was a long path. It all started in the nightclubs of New York City in the late 90s, early 2000s. Really? Oh yeah, it started 
working in nightclubs and uh you know like 23 years old i started getting fed up with it 24 years old i was kind of you know it wears on you it's a world that's not positive it's not healthy it's not clean um it's a world that's incredibly morally compromising were you a photographer or were you i studied photography in high school and uh, I was living with a model at the time who was pretty famous. And one day we went out and we took my high school film camera. It was probably from like 1975. And we went out and shot some pictures on the beach. And she was with a really big agency. And she'd been photographed by all the biggest photographers in fashion, from the Bruce Webers to the Patrick Demarchiers, um, and uh, to the Karl Lagerfelds. And, you know, they, they saw our contact sheet and her agents ripped apart her entire book, changed her comp card, used all the pictures we took from that day on the beach. Really? So um, all my friends in that industry was kind of like, you, you know, they were like, you don't like, you're not enjoying doing that life. You know, why don't you do fashion photography? So I started trying my hand at that, and I kind of realized just the same people's nightlife, just a different time of day. And just wasn't finding fulfillment, and there was, there was, it was empty. It was, it was vacuous. So um, a friend of mine who's another club promoter had started an organization helping bring water into Central African countries and digging wells. So the problem was, was one of his wells was in a place in northern Uganda uh, in, in the early 2000s. I think this was 2005, 2006, right at the height of Joseph Kony about six years earlier than the world started knowing who he was. But the dude was just as bad as ever, and he ran the Lord's Resistance Army, the LRA, and they were out there uh, massacring families and raping and pillaging northern Uganda. Um, So I said, let me get those coordinates, and I grabbed a one-way ticket to Uganda and my camera, and I went down, uh, got hooked up with a local fixer, and traveled the country for a month taking pictures and from there I just got the bug um, weren't you I, as far as weren't you at all fearful of your life at that time no oh of course I mean you'd have to be insane not to be but you know I, I heard a great quote and I wish I could tell you who it was from uh, but it's something that's always inspired me in my life and every time I, cause I, I get scared of it I'm scared of my own shadow um, <laughs> I, I get scared a lot, but I I try and use 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 that fear to push me. Um, you know, I do. I always like to say fear is a useless emotion. Yes. And it's unproductive. And if something scares you, it makes it all the more reason to go do it. I like that. I like that. We have to take a break. And when we come back, I, I, I want to know what was that next step that prepared you to the next moment in your journey, in your life? Awesome. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. I'm Sonia Dunn. We'll be right back right after this. Haven't registered to vote or still need to request an absentee ballot? Don't worry. It's not too late, and I've got the stuff you need to know. I'm Tech Sergeant Holly Roberts-Davis, and this is FYI. Election Day is November 8th, meaning you've still got some time to make sure you can vote in this year's presidential election. Your best course of action at this point is the Federal Postcard Application, or the FPCA. This allows you to register to vote and request your absentee ballot at the same time. The Federal Voting Assistance Program encourages using this method every year and when you move. Depending on your state, you may be able to do this electronically and save some time. You can use the FPCA Online Assistant to submit electronically or fill out the PDF to print out and mail. The PDF package even includes a pre-addressed and postage paid label so you don't even need a stamp if you do have to mail it in. It only takes a few quick steps to make sure your vote is counted no matter where you are in the world. But act fast to ensure you have plenty of time to receive your ballot and send it back if you can't do it electronically. For more information on the federal postcard application and to see if your state of legal residence qualifies for electronic delivery, head over to the Federal Voting Assistance website. You can also research any other options for registering and voting, including instructions for submitting an emergency ballot if you're just too short on time. 
For FYI, I'm Tech Sergeant Holly Roberts-Davis. Military Home Live. Military Home Live Radio. Broadcasting from around the globe. Sharing information that supports military families, veterans, and retirees. Your Military Home Life Radio. Military Home Live. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. I'm your host, Sonia Dunn. We're here with our guest, Justin Melnick, from the show SEAL Team for CBS. Justin, we were talking about you taking that step to find that bridge of passion as well as profession in life and trying to find that center for yourself. And do you think you found it with the combat photography or was that just a stopping point you think I, I think it more of a transition point than anything okay. you know um, when you leave the comforts of America and you go and you see what people are enduring around the world on different levels it, it changes your priorities in life I think and it, it should. I think it should change your priorities. For me, it definitely changed my priorities. Um, I realized, you know, how lucky we, we are as, as Americans and how fortunate uh, how fortunate we are to be living where we're at. Um, so that was kind of a transition spot for me where I was like, wow, okay, so this is what other guys, what other countries at war are going through. I, I want to see you know, I want to see what our country is going through at war. So I made this program to kind of learn about the Middle East because I, I thought that I would just get killed if I rolled to Iraq or Afghanistan, like right off the bat. So I picked some more moderate countries uh, that were slightly war-torn or had their own little wars going on within them and booked tickets to go to those countries with my camera and go find the story. Um, you know, I was never an apprentice combat photographers was the clickiest job I've ever, ever tried to work in in my life. Um, really? It's that clicky. Oh my God. If you're not, you know, if you don't know somebody, you can't get representation, getting press credentials are virtually impossible. Wow. Um, literally everything was, everything at that time was so, you know, it, it was so difficult. So I just found it easier to be like, you know what, I'm going to go put together a portfolio uh, 50 Cent came out with his album a couple of years earlier, Get Rich or Die Trying. I was like, you know what? Let's make this happen one way or another. <laughs> um, so so I, booked, uh, I booked a trip. I think the first one was to the West Bank in Palestine. You know, as, as a Jewish New York kid going there, everyone thought I was insane. Um, but I'd heard a story about a rabbi who was helping Palestinian farmers um, kind of navigate through the West Bank uh, during, you know, and with alleged atrocities uh, from the Israeli soldiers against them. So I was like, you know what? This wow. is the totally opposite end of the spectrum. Let's go yeah. check it out. Yeah. Talk about your, as far as conversions of, of cultures. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What was that like? That was a quick trip. That was three days, uh, three days and one, three days in Israel, one day in, in Palestine. Uh, I was not uh, treated very well by the Israelis on my departure. <laughs> they didn't like the fact that that I felt like I needed to see what was happening to the Palestinians. It was, it was. Uh, I heard some really sad stories, and I met some amazing people. You know, which definitely shaped my view of uh of a lot of um of that area you know as, as a new york jew you kind of grow up hearing all these stories that are very sided against you know the palestinians but yeah where did you move from there from israel and the and the palestinian so state that trip i ended up booking a 30-day trip to yemen i heard about uh well now now the houthis uh, have kind of taken over the they're the Shia the Shia um, minority in 
in Yemen. Uh, they were battling the Saudi, the Sunnis, the Saudis, which are also Sunni, in the north of Yemen. And the government was kind of going against them because they wanted the Saudi support uh, or needed the Saudi support. But they kind of, I think, recently overthrew the government down there. I'm not sure what's happening there currently. But when I was down there, it was kind of the start of that rebellion and was trying to work my way up north into the mountains to uh, to uh, to go document that. But it came pretty close to getting kidnapped. So ended up uh, driving back to Sena, shaving my head and my beard and getting on the next flight wow. <laughs> that I could out of the country and ended up uh, ended up back in the United States just because that was that was beyond beyond shady and unstable there. Yeah. So how did you get to a military combat zone? Or how long so, did it take you to get to one since that was so, your ultimate so goal? About, about two years after that. So it was about three years total. Um, and I got an amazing invite to go over and document. Uh, there's a unit in the National Guard called the Fighting 69th. Uh, they sat in New York. And they're one of the most historic units in the military. But that was right at the beginning of the embedded training teams and the PMTs, the police mentoring teams. And what was really awesome about that was the Fighting 69, since it was a National Guard unit, was comprised of mostly first responders. So a lot of cops, a lot of NYPD, uh, a lot of firefighters um, deployed to go train the Afghans how to do their jobs. And, you know, for me, the, the NYPD has always been, you know, the, the industry leader of law enforcement. So I thought it was just so cool to, to be able to go over and document New York City cops training Afghan cops how to be cops. Um, so I went over there for a, a month for that. And uh, they rotated home and finished their deployment. I came in at the end of their deployment. And then I just spent another two months there getting lost, hitchhiking around the country with different units. Um, it was it was inspirational and um, seeing what what the, the guys were doing, the men and the women were doing every day. I just I, you know, I was like, this is kind of what I need my life to be and wanted to go join the military. Um, so I, I went from this photography trip to basically completely wholeheartedly believing in what we were fighting for over there for, for, the, for these people, for the, for the Afghans, and wanted to come back and started my process to go into a program called the 18 X-ray program. Have you ever heard of it? I have. When we get back, unfortunately, we have to take another break. I want to talk about that transition from you for hanging up your camera to starting that process to the 18X, okay? For sure. I'm Sonya Dunn. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. We'll be right back right after this. Cold and dark When my eyes 
Around the globe, sharing information that supports military families, veterans, and retirees. Your Military Home Life Radio. Military Home Life. I'm Sonia Dunn. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. We're here with Justin Melnick, who's from the SEAL Team TV series on CBS. Justin, we were just talking about your transition to combat photography to wanting to now serve in the military and you made a conscious decision to do 18x for those who don't know what 18x x or x-ray is can you share with that what that means so 18 x-ray is probably one of the greatest recruiting tools that the u.s army's ever created it's a it's a semi-direct to green beret to an ODA team. The the 18X-ray program is just really re- unique because it gives certain people the opportunity to use their um, obtained skill set from civilian life and bring it to the military. Um, I was, I was kind of lured in and I started my process and I started doing all my research. I was doing my background clearance paperwork I met with the unit that I wanted to go to. Uh, they were awesome. Started going out and getting my civilian skydive license. And then um, talked to a couple friends of mine that were from uh, from the special forces. And I just kind of had to make a real life decision, you know, at 30 years old. And it's hard. It's hard when you have to look at yourself and realize that you don't have what it takes to do that job. What was the deciding factors not to do it for you? I honestly, I think, I think what I was most worried about was two things. I was most worried about peering out 
and like passing the physical stuff, but then not not getting through the the peer evaluation stuff. Got it. Um, you know, I, I never I never played team sports as a kid. As a kid, <laughs> you know, all all my activities were always solo. Like I I work great by myself, and I can work with others, but. But I you don't, don't play well with others? Is that what no, it is, Justin? I do. <laughs> I, I do. I do play well with others. I just have realized, like, you know, I'm an intense dude. So, it's, you know, I don't I don't think I have what it takes personality-wise um, to be able to work in that setting, you know. And it's hard. It's like, you know, as, as, an, as an adult, you want to fix those things and you want to take those risks and you want to take those challenges. But... Um, I, I just I had to make a real world assessment, which I knew I would regret till the day I died. And, you know, like yeah. that is the uncertainty. I, I have no idea. And, and you know, it's, yeah. it's 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 a, it's a regret I live with every day. But, you know, I was able, thank God, to find a job in law enforcement um, that allowed me to feel like I was contributing to society and helping. Yeah, you suppose you, you switched up from green to blue. Yeah. Yeah. Why blue instead of red? Because you could have been a firefighter and done that. Um, uh, different type. You know, of... Go ahead. There's a ton of jokes I could have made right there. <laughs> okay. um, no, here's the thing is, you know, I developed a lot of relationships within the military and within law enforcement as I was working during my photography years. And, um, I, I found an, an ability to really be an asset um, and help people um, indirectly uh, on a support capacity. And, and you know, yeah, my, half my personality wants to be the dude slugging it out, but the other half of my personality just wants to do whatever I can to be an asset and help. So um, if I can't, you know, if I can't, if I can't help physically, let me help and connect the dots for people. So um, I kind of took over a program for my police department right before, right before alert got really big, which is the FBI standard for active shooter okay. and laser. And I went around the country to all the different police departments where I knew guys and I went through their active shooter programs. Um, and then from there, kind of created an SOP that was simplified enough that the average patrol officer could could execute them, but also safe enough and efficient enough that we could help minimize casualties in that scenario. For those people who don't know what SOP is, what does that mean? Uh, standard operating procedure. So is the standard operating procedure for active shooters yes. for their unit? When yeah, for, for the average patrol officer to, to respond it. safely. So um, from there, we, you know, I would bring in different friends of mine from different police departments to come down and help train my guys up and then uh, help facilitate the, the training for them by creating a storyline, the role players, using the schools, just making really realistic environments for our guys to uh, to uh, to train in. So really, it's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it was really unique to the time. No one had really been doing it. Uh, you know, then alert kind of popped up, and now there's a national standard. So uh, we're you know we've transitioned over to that. Um, so, you know, so. So what was that defining moment that you said, I'm going to put on the, the actual uniform itself? I mean, the second I found a department that I felt at home at, I was out in Indiana and ended up, uh, ended up spending a lot of time out there and found a local department and uh, kind of just made it home. You know, it's I traveled a lot for work, but it was that was the place where I was most excited to come home to all the time. And I've got 27 guys, uh, 27 people at the department. And, uh, you know, we're a small town. We've got a thousand 
people between staff and kids K through 12 at our school. And, um, you know, now, now I sit at a cush position of the youth resource officer. So the dog and I just go to the schools and, and play with the kids and, and do dog awareness stuff and public relations. So it's nice, you know, get to engage the community and, and, uh, and bring a positive light on law enforcement for people. We're going to have to take another break, but when I come back, I want to talk about that lady in your life. Okay, for sure. I'm Sonia Dunn, and you're listening to Military Home Life Radio, and we'll be right back. All of us want to make a difference. As veterans, we committed to protect our country. We served and sacrificed for the things that mattered most. Those experiences shaped our lives, even if it isn't always obvious to those around us. And now that we've served, our commitments have taken on a new meaning. We're husbands, wives, parents, friends, and neighbors, but sometimes we still feel alone. We forget that our biggest challenge can be to ask for support when we need it. The Veterans Crisis Line is here for all veterans, service members, and their loved ones. Dial 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat online at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255. It matters. Hi, I'm Sonia Dunn, the host of Military Home Life Radio. Military Home Life Radio's main goal is to support and empower military family members, service members, veterans, and retirees. Why? Because I am a military spouse, and I'm raising a military family, and I understand the challenges of navigating through all of the many resources that are available to military families. So let me help you by being a guide. Join us as we share the latest information and news from around the military. Visit our website at www.militaryhomelife.com to listen to our podcast or find a local radio station that carries our show. I'm Sonia Dunn. Always and forever, military proud, military strong. Military Home Life. Military Home Life Radio. Broadcasting from around the globe. Sharing information that supports military families, veterans, and retirees. Your Military Home Life Radio. Military Home Life. I'm Sonia Dunn. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. We're here with our guest, Justin Melnick, who is on the show SEAL Team for CBS. Justin, uh, you were mentioning that you have a a cushiony job now where you go out and talk to kids and and, and have a, um, a companion with you when you go talk to kids. Can you share that companion's name? So Dita... Um Dita, canine Dita, uh, who is on the show, who actually got me the job on the show, <laughs> SEAL team. <laughs> and uh, now our sole responsibilities are youth resource officers. So we, um, we go into the schools, we do dog demos, we talk to the younger kids about dog awareness, um, you know, how to approach dogs, what not to do around them, what to do around them. Um, it's really nice, you know, in this day and age, any kind of positive encounter we can have with, with kids, um, and people in general as law enforcement is just an added bonus. There's such a disconnect between the badge and, and, and civilization right now. I I agree. The population is not, uh, is not behind law enforcement the way that they should be. And, Anything that we can do to bring the community closer through engagement is, is just a win for us, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. How, how did you meet Dita? <laughs> so my roommate at the time, uh, who was a canine handler in, uh, in Indiana uh, for a bigger city, got Dita as, a, as like a protection dog for the house. And through some personal things, they needed to find a home for her. And we were out on a training trip in Texas, and uh, I basically was like, I don't know how I'm going to take her because I have a motorcycle and I travel 24-7, 
but uh, I'll figure something out. So I, I uh, had a buddy of ours take her for four months while I, while I like sorted out houses, a car, a modified work itinerary. And then um, I took her from there and we started our adventure together. So you compromised your life for Dita. I mean, I, so I, I've never had a dog, never really wanted a dog, um, but she was awesome and she needed a place to go. And the thought of her going to a stranger was, was not really an option ever. So yeah, kind of buckled down. And, and I mean, the joke's on me, like the, my life's completely changed because of this dog. You said earlier that Dia got you the gig with SEAL Team. Yeah. So how did that take place? There are a couple dudes from uh, from special operations community that are working on the show, and I I knew them very well from uh, I knew them very well, and uh, and when they said that they wanted a dog they both said, I didn't even know the two guys knew each other because they were from different branches. Um, they both they both gave the producers of the show my name and they called us and asked if we wanted to come down and shoot the pilot episode. So I was like, sure. And uh, come down and you know, I was just supposed to be like a stunt guy. And by the end of the pilot, they'd written a name for me. <laughs> And, uh, you know, by the third episode, I started getting some lines and stuff. And, you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so you are the accidental actor. Yeah, completely accidental. Do you like it? I mean, I love it. I, I get to play a Navy SEAL six days a week. How and ironic is that for you? I, it, it's, it, it's incredible. Um, it is, you know... A, it's great training for my dog just because the budgets for, you know, a, co a police dog for training is super low. I don't get access to helicopters all the time. You know, now I get access to helos, explosions, gunfire. <laughs> you know, my dog's effectively been to Afghanistan just because it was, you know, the sets that they built were so realistic. <laughs> I was convinced I was back in Afghanistan. That's awesome. That's I mean, awesome. I literally, literally felt like I was at Camp Clark when I was down on our compound filming. And then anytime we'd run missions, I was like, one point I was sure I was up north, you know, in the mountains. And then the other, the other, the other time I was like, this looks exactly like Coast Province. Like the houses, the interiors of the houses that we would go into. Like I was, it was trippy, man. Wow. Um, we're going to have to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you more about your experience with handling Dita on the set and Perfect. animal stunt work and all that good stuff. I'm Sonia Dunn. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. We'll be right back right after this. TRICARE is changing in 2018. Are you ready? You can visit your contractor's new directory today to see if your current doctors are still in network. Take command of your health. Visit tricare.mil slash changes. I'm Sonia Dunn, and you're listening to Military Home Life Radio, the only radio show that is from and for military families. I'm Sonia Dunn. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. We're here with our guest, Justin Melnick, who is from the show Sales Team for CBS. Justin, we were talking about some of the realism of your sets and how you it, you kind of felt like you were thrown back into another time in, um, in your life. How did Dita take being around this new type of, of work? Because she was a different type of dog, correct, as far as a police dog, but now she was doing something totally different. How did she handle that different setting? You know, listen, it's scary. Um, it would be scary for us if we didn't realize if I if I put a bag over your head and then undid that bag and put you in the middle of a set with gunfire and explosions, you wouldn't know what was going on. 
Um, you know, obviously there's a sense of concern always with, with what's around her, but the way I look at it is this is training and such great training value that like this dog has seen more war because for her it's real, you know, right. More war than most military dogs. Um, you know, we get into five gunfights a day sometimes, you know, because every scene is five takes, you know, yes. four takes. Yep. You know, so, you know, she, she's, she's doing great. She, you know, she's got to show off some of her skills. You know, she's the only thing we, you know, I don't even want to ruin it for anybody, but you know, everything we do is for real. There, there was, you know, if the mission calls for a dog, we bring the dog. If we're, okay. if we're swimming in, you know, we don't bring the dog just because it's unrealistic. It's unrealistic. Um, so, you know, we, you know, even Dita has skydived before, um, episode two, we jump in. Um, and then, you know, like one of the coolest episodes is she is her camera system on her back and we're looking for what's going on inside of the house. Cause we, we want to make sure it's not rigged and booby trapped. So, um, so she, she tries to figure out her way inside of the house, but the window she checks is closed. The door's locked. And so there's a ladder that goes up to a second floor roof with a window above it. She climbs up the ladder, jumps through the window, searches the house for us, finds, you know, through voice commands, through a radio system we have, I'm, a, I'm able to guide her to where I want our exterior breach charges to go, make sure it's a, you know, clear on the backside. Um, and then, you know, she finds the bad guy for us. Um, you know, so it, it's cool. It took, it took a couple episodes for CBS to kind of let us use her as a bite dog. But, you know, these dogs, you know, they're, they're all good with it. And she gets to eat bad guys and jump out of airplanes. And, you know, every time yeah. she finds explosives on the set, we're actually using her training aids that are, she's a narcotics dog. So we use her training aids, which are cotton balls that have been uh, uh, imprinted with synthetic odors. So, you know, it's, it's, it's real. It's always training for her. If, if she's searching for somebody um, on set, on camera, uh, you know, we actually use that person's clothing that they've been wearing and put it in a plastic bag and mm -hmm. have her search the odor. And I'll have the person go take off and, and we'll we'll move past the camera looking for the person. Really? Yeah. Is there anything that Dita cannot do, it sounds like, as far as... There's only two things I won't let her do, and, and everyone's cool with it. One is I won't let her ever play dead. I don't ever, you know, because yeah. if she ever goes to work, you know, real real life work, I don't want loud noises to ever shut her down and make her lay down. Got it. Um, I don't want anything to ever switch off that, that, that work drive. Um, and then the other thing is I won't let her have any human food, no beef jerky, no, you know, right. No steak, no chicken, nothing off the grill. If there's a grilling scene, um, she's only, and everyone's totally cool with that diet and diet and playing dead. But, you know, they could say, hey, we want you guys to jump out of a helicopter hovering 12 feet above the water, you know, done. That, that you know, that's exposure for her. Yeah. Uh, that's exposure to a new, to a new skill set. You know, anytime they want us to repel or fast rope, it's great. It's just added training value for us. So would you consider her the most skilled stunt animal out there right now? Um, I, I, I don't know enough to answer that question. Okay. I just think she's, a, she's, she's, she's great at her, her job yeah. and she's got the temperament. This is what I do know. I do know that every time they've made a dog movie, there's, or a dog TV show, there's always like three dogs to portray the one. You have a dog for like the obedient stuff. You have a dog for the attack stuff. You have a dog for the, you know. 
something or other. But Dita does not have a double. No, she doesn't have a double. She does everything. She 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 got stunt doubled once in an explosion. So we took a stuffed animal, Dita, and we put her gear <laughs> on it. Um, she got doubled for an explosion just because right. it was too close. There was just no upside at that point to yeah. have her in the room. Yeah. Um, and you know, there everyone is so. I mean, people on that set care more about her than they do about me, and I totally get <laughs> it. And I, you know. People are bringing her water all day, checking on her, you know, to make sure the AC is still good. You know, people really love her. Like, genuinely, she gained 300 aunts and uncles when we came to this job. That's nice. That's really nice. Uh, We're running out of time, Justin. But before we go, I want to ask you some things, but we got to take a break. Uh, um, So... You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. I'm Sonya Dunn. We'll be right back right after this. See these hands? They grip the wheel of a Humvee in Afghanistan. These hands? Six years treating soldiers. Twelve years flying choppers. My hands? They're here for the person who fought in Afghanistan. I made the call and got support for my sister. My hands are here for the person who treated those soldiers. I helped connect my son with the care he's earned. Mine take care of the person who flew those helicopters. And if life gets overwhelming, they're ready to dial the Veterans Crisis Line. The Veterans Crisis Line is here for all veterans and their loved ones. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or chat online at VeteransCrisisLine.net. You're listening to Military Home Life with Sonya Dunn. To learn more about Military Home Life, go to www.MilitaryHomeLife.com. That's www.MilitaryHomeLife.com. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. He's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Military Home Live. Military Home Live Radio. Broadcasting from around the globe. Sharing information that supports military families, veterans, and retirees. Your Military Home Life Radio. Military Home Live. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. I'm Sonia Dunn. We're here with our guest, Justin Melnick, who is on the show SEAL Team for CBS. Justin, now we can talk a little bit about you. We've been talking about Dita on SEAL Team. Let's talk about you on SEAL Team. Do you, ex- ex- do you expect to get a love interest or anything like that on the show? No, I don't know. That, that's, that's all <laughs> upstairs. That's way above my pay grade. <laughs> you know, it would... Uh, I, you know, even without, I'll always have a love interest. I'll have Cerberus, <laughs> my trusty canine companion. Um, who knows? That that that's so far above my pay grade. <laughs> On the show, and we've talked about talked about this earlier in in our conversation. You are are playing a role that you actually wanted to become. Um, in your own personal life and well, actually to clarify i always wanted to be a delta force operator uh, really not oh, yeah. 18x but delta force well you know you can't in order to get the delta force you have to be a branch of the military so right. you can't there's no civilian to right to, to delta but yeah. um but yeah that that was always the dream and never got to pull that off but Hey, getting to play a seal on TV is the next quote. So, so, so not a seal, not not your lifelong dream, but yeah. as close as you can get. Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> um, you know every kid. Every kid growing up wants to be a seal. Um, you, you know, 
most people don't even know what Delta Force is in all in all honesty. Um, the world, every 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 teenage boy knows what a SEAL is. So, you know, you grow up watching Charlie Sheen and then you you go on to uh, <laughs> go ahead. you go on you go on to reading the books and, and watching the news, you know, and then the SEALs kill bin Laden and it's like the wow, those guys are our modern day superheroes. Those are our Thors. Yeah. Those are our invincible protectors against evil you you were quoted recently this statement it says to most people navy seals don't cry um they don't bleed and they're but they are human and they pay the greatest sacrifice it's been 17 years and it's been a long war what do you mean by that statement well, you know, to everybody, these guys are our heroes. You know, they, they're the rock stars of the community. Um, they're going out, getting in gunfights, saving hostages, making the news, killing world, you know, wanted terrorists. And a lot of them get killed in the line of duty. Um, and, you know, that's really horrible. And it's obviously sad for their children and the, their families that pay the sacrifice on that. But the guys that come home and, you know, we're talking about a breed of warrior that puts everybody else's needs before their own. You know, these are guys that aren't telling you they're in pain. You know, these are guys looking to help you when you're in pain or help you with whatever you need. But they're not ever complaining. They don't. People don't ask for anything. And, you know, the amount of traumatic brain injuries coming back, um, post-deployment depression, uh, post-traumatic stress. Um, you know, these, these things are the silent killers, and it eats people up from the inside. And, and that, that, to me, is, is a sacrifice, you know, along with the fact that they're missing out. Voluntarily, they sign up to protect us and, and take a war to another land so that it doesn't happen here. And in doing so, you know, they miss their kids' birthdays. They miss their wives' anniversaries. They miss their kids being born. You know, those, those, are, those are things that we, as civilians in America, take for granted. You know, we expect to be there. We're expected home for dinner every night. You know, where, where the wives of, of, these, of these soldiers are sitting at a table, you know, maybe not have spoken of for five days to a week and don't know what they're into, don't know where they're at. You know, and it's like that, that to me is the sacrifice right there with these guys knowingly give up to go protect us. And then, uh, and then the, the aftermath and the effect, because you, you can't do the amount of rotations and deployments that these guys do without coming back with some sort of, some sort of emotional baggage. You can't, it's impossible. Yeah. We're not configured as human beings to. I understand as far as I hear military spouses, stories from all different branches, especially special ops spouses, gold stars, special ops spouses, and so forth. And it's, it's, it's a different way of life, especially for special ops. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'd like to clarify this as well as like, I don't care. I don't care if you drive a truck. I don't care if you're an 88 Mike or if you're a Delta Force operator. You you literally have my respect because when you sign up and you take that oath and you sacrifice everything, your family for our safety, like that to me is, you know, you see me at a restaurant, you come over, say hello, because I will buy you your meal. Um, I've got I've got tremendous amount of, of respect and admiration for, for these men and women. Um, but you know it's it's the amount it's it's the it's the intensity and the amount that that the special operations community you know the intensity of their work level which is which is what i'm what i'm referring to in that statement yeah yep i understand all right one last question go for it is there anything you can share with us as far as what we can expect for you and Dita on season two of SEAL? I would be lying to you if I told you I knew anything. <laughs> I, I'm assuming we're going to have a good time and, and have some fun, but they, they hold those scripts pretty closely, so we won't know until we start shooting them. 
So when does your season start? Monday. Monday. Oh, really? Yeah. So we're flying back to Indiana on Friday tomorrow for our, or sorry, two days from now for our final shift on duty. We're doing a big fundraiser at our local high school. It's called the Fish Fry. So if you guys are in the Indiana area, come by, come by Daleville High School. Come eat some fried fish with us to raise money for Operation Christmas, which is our version of Shop Shop with the Cop, where we're able to uh, take some of the less fortunate kids from our community out and help buy them school supplies and stuff like that over Christmas. Oh, give us a shout out about End of Watch before you leave. It is so hard. We're it's every hiccup you can ever imagine. Trying to set up a charity is so difficult. Um, we I've got a I got the five hundred one c three called End of Watch, which you know, it's uh, slated to kind of start helping immediate financial uh, support for families following law enforcement. Um, but, you know, I think I'll be up and running completely in the next 90 days to to uh, to, to four, four months, five months, hopefully. All right. Well, we'll, we'll be on the lookout for that. Thanks so much for everything. It's so great chatting with you guys today. Same here. Thank you, Justin. I'm Sonia Dunn. You're listening to Military Home Life Radio. We'll be right back to wrap up. Don't go anywhere. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. That is all that we have for this edition of Military Home Life. Thank you so much for listening to Military Home Life Radio. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your week. I'm Sonia Dunn. Remember to support our military, but most importantly, support our military families. Smoking fire, I didn't feel a thing. But suddenly I was rising higher, and I felt like I just made the biggest mistake. When I thought about my unborn child, when I thought about my wife, and the answer rang out clear from somewhere up above. Great a gift is man until they tell his life of love. And I wonder, would I give my life? Or could I make that sacrifice? If I came down to the good, I'd take the foot Yes, I would. Just